The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi everyone, I'm Thomas Enhero, and you're listening to our third episode in our Secrets of Dune series, where we're going to discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of Frank Herbert's Dune, and its various media representations, or in this case, those that didn't quite make it. <laughs> so joining me on the panel uh, today are Jack Barazzini. Hi Jack. How's it going? All right. And Andrew Hermes. Hi Andrew. Hello. And uh, we're creeping ever closer to that October release date of Denis Villeneuve's new treatment of this classic. Uh, after discussing the 1984 movie in the sci-fi miniseries, uh, we've got to give some credit to a film that was never made. But uh, as the documentary we watched wants to have it, uh, has its fingerprints all over so much of the industry that it's almost better that it didn't happen <laughs> so uh on this on this episode we're covering the uh i'll call it the prematurely ended attempt to create a cinematic masterpiece from the dune story by avant-garde mystic and eccentric artist alejandro yodorowsky <laughs> and i'll be honest um i had not heard about this project before the documentary came out and i didn't actually watch the documentary until i was getting ready for this podcast as, as much as a, of a fan of dune as i am i <laughs> did not really it wasn't very interesting to me, and I really missed out, honestly, <laughs> waiting this long to watch it because it is uh, it is it's something. Uh, so, you know, I know this is it's a very fresh look at this uh, lost idol of cinema for me. But, Andrew, I know it's probably something you had a lot more exposure to as a film buff uh, through your uh, college and career. Yeah. You know, it's something that a project that I discovered while I think I was in college. It had to have been during film school. And I realized like the infamy of it and. And knew a little bit about, you know, Hodorowski from, you know, what I started to study and uh, was just fascinated by it. You know, I remember seeing a trailer for it and I'm like, okay, I have to see this thing. And then knowing, you know, Geiger was attached to it and then Mobius mm -hmm. and then knowing like being, being, you know, a, somewhat of a fan of their, their art and then finding out like Salvador Dali was cast and <laughs> right. Orson Welles and all that <laughs> stuff. Like, okay, we got to see this. So yeah, I remember, yeah, I saw it like way back when. And then, yeah, I don't think I, I, I watched it again until preparing for this uh, podcast, at least all the way through. <laughs> was just fascinated again by it. Cool. And how about you, Jack? Did you did you know about this before the documentary or this podcast? I was aware of it and it had always been on my watch list, but I did not actually sit down to watch it until we were planning for this. And the first two things I did after uh, watching it was looking up if we could get that book the huge right. book he has in there with all the art <laughs> I know, right? and then seeing if I could find the soundtrack for the documentary. Cause I enjoyed that too. Man, it's like, it's a giant Mobius comic book, right? Yeah. Like that was yeah. never actually made, but it was like a shot for shot of the, uh, of the movie that, that to me, I, the, the, they said there were only like what, three or four of them that still existed. And I think so. I just yeah. couldn't I believe two. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe that. That's amazing. That's like, I, I want a copy of that. I would, I would pay, yeah. I would pay for a copy of that. Honestly, that it just seems so, uh, strange so bizarre and I, I love that they they kind of start the whole the whole tale of this that um Jodorowsky said that he wanted to make this movie and he never read the book when he said yeah he wants yes. to make this movie, which is just it's mind-boggling to me like you you have a, a basically limitless uh 
you know, expenditure, uh, limit, limitless budget, and you pick a book you haven't even read to, <laughs> to be the thing that you're going to make the movie up. Okay. <laughs> and not only that, to to make a movie that's going to change the world. Right. <laughs> Based it off yeah. of a book that you've never that read. you've never had. Yeah. Yeah. He had very high hopes for this movie, just the way he was talking about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, he did. And it's it's fun watching him because, like, you see this kind of, uh, you see the fact that he's this like happy go lucky guy, right? He's just kind of out there. He's uh, he seems to just really go with the flow of everything until he get until he gets to talking about why this movie didn't get made. And man, he gets really serious about <laughs> about that. And it's like a, a, a incredible personal insult that this movie didn't get made. <laughs> I like the part where he takes out the stack of money yeah. talking about why didn't way to get made was because of money. And he's got like a bunch of a hundreds in there. Right. And I'm like, when you're to the point where you can just pull hundreds out of your pocket, of course, you're not going to worry about money. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. I thought he was, he was like a step away from ripping it right in front of the camera. Oh, yeah. Like, he yeah. was like money is meaningless. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's awful. It's empty. It has no soul. So I think, uh, you know, I think it's a good place to start, right? It's talking about uh, Jodorowsky's personality uh, specifically. So he was a Chilean born, uh, French uh, nationalized um, uh, artist. And if you look at his Wikipedia page, everyone, I encourage you, you should check it out. His Wikipedia page is amazing because the list of things that he's credited as doing, you know, he's a he's a writer, he's a director, he's a a, a movie star, he's a poet, he's a, a musician, he's, you know, just the list just keeps going on and on and on and on and on. And it's like, there's nothing this guy hasn't done. So uh, he very much lives his life to the fullest. You can tell that. Uh, but I think it's really interesting to see that his personality is kind of a central theme of the documentary and i think uh you know some of his controversy stirred up along the way with how he talks about things and i'm sure we'll we'll talk about that as we go into it but i was i think the thing that struck me about it was how often people would were just completely taken by his passion for this uh this project just just to completely uproot their lives move to paris and work on a film that was still in the like planning process right that hadn't even gotten off the ground yet <laughs> yeah he's like hey uh you want to go to paris you know leave everything behind and <laughs> work on this <laughs> yeah work on this movie um yeah there, he had, there's something about him that just like you said motivated people and you know they just couldn't help but be entranced by him and mm -hmm. and he just had that sort of effect um and 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 like he describes it in the movie, I don't know if, you know, we're hearing it from his perspective, so I don't know how how true any of the stories are, but basically all, every single person he wanted, as far as like cast members and, and artists and, and production designers, he's like, oh, we went to this hotel and by chance they were there. Like, it, right. <laughs> it, it yeah. just seemed like it was, he felt like it was his destiny for this movie to get made because, you know, all the all the chips were just falling, you know, the way they were supposed to for him and until the ultimate chip, obviously. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's just, there was something magnetic about him. Um, and it, even though, even like the, the people that didn't quite understand him, I think the only person that probably understood him was, was Salvador Dali. And then, uh, right. <laughs> because they, they were similar in, in, in their, I guess their surrealistic sort of, um, qualities right that, that whole that whole spread of of him uh vetting you know like the the making quests almost right for for uh, uh 
Todorowsky was was really impressive, like him being at a table with 12 people around him and asking about clocks. I'm like, oh, man, how how much more on the nose can you get? (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Yeah. And um, hearing hearing the stories, uh, hearing stories like that, you do feel like, damn, like I wish this movie actually got made. Um, But but like I said, it's almost the story. What I always say about this documentary is like the the documentary and the story of the movie being made is way better than whatever the movie was going to be. Oh yeah, <laughs> you, can, you know, you can draw a dramatic movie out of this this story, and it would be a good movie. Oh yeah, oh absolutely, I would love to see that. I really liked how he got people who are outside the film industry. Mm. Like all the artists were not film artists, like H.R. Geeker and uh, Chris Ross. They were both outside that world, so it was really a different look at that kind of thing. Right, and I really like, um, especially like Chris Ross. Like I really like that seventies, uh, eighties retro sci-fi art that you get before. Mm science fiction became kind of homogenized, I feel like in movies. Mm. And I would have loved to see something like that on the screen. Yeah. That's I, they, they talk about the other guy. I don't, I don't remember who it was, but uh, the guy that worked on 2001, uh, space odyssey and, um, Oh, Doug, uh, Thrumble, I think. Yeah. Trumbull. Yeah. That's, that's Doug a, Trumbull. Yeah. And, yeah. and they, they talk about him and it's like, I, I think if you had pulled him onto the project, it would have been those grays and, and geometric, you know, boring patterns that we're kind of used to mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. in sci-fi uh currently and because i think i think he was the main main influence and he kind of pulled into the rest of it. i think that that's that's part of why star wars was so refreshing when it came out because it was weird you know it was like yeah mm-hmm. it was back to this sort of odd shapes and recognizable but odd uh in their own way you know try big triangular ships instead of these rocket shaped things <laughs> yeah 2001 ends up being too grounded i feel like right like apart from the end part but when you when you get to the technical aspects of it it's just looks like nasa which i think works works in some ways for 2001 because you want to ground it in reality and then push the boundaries of what reality is but definitely for this far future kind of space you didn't want that you didn't want it to seem like anything we knew right and i feel like that's something that sci-fi nowadays is a lot as i'm locked into where Mm -hmm. even if you get something set far in the future it still feels like contemporary people on like a boring gray spaceship you don't get that really out there kind of thing that you would get from older science fiction yeah well that's that's one of the things i loved about um babylon 5 uh if you go back and watch that they had Mm -hmm. weird ships like just really and like and very unique to each of the different groups that were flying them they had these odd ships so the the earth ships were all what you would expect you know kind of typical uh, nasa type stuff but then the the alien ships really branched out into their own realm of what was possible and that's that's something you see definitely with the art from this movie where it's just bizarre and uh and allowed to be weird and you know i think you know i was talking with my kids because we, we were watching this and i was like hey do you guys know who geiger is and as geiger was coming up and they're like no uh who is he and i'm like he's the guy that that made all the art for alien and so when alien came out that's that's what he did he, he kind of introduced this weird concept art and my son was like yeah i think i've seen some of it in and some other stuff that i that i play and watch and i'm like yeah and so we got to talking about you know like we're like we're saying is the greater influence that this film has almost because it wasn't made and because it didn't become a thing (laughs) yeah there was the that point made towards the end where if they didn't try to make this version of dune then you would probably wouldn't have had alien because Mm -hmm. geiger was not in the film industry prior to this and Horowski had like the the vision of like, oh, you need to be in, in movies. And then mm-hmm. 
So we wouldn't have Alien, and then we wouldn't have had Blade Runner, and then you come to the Matrix, you know, all the way to the Matrix. We wouldn't right. have had the Matrix. So it's like, yeah, this this sort of pre-production of a film that never got made was is really important to cinema. It's interesting how he comes across as extremely arrogant, but I almost feel like that's kind of the attitude that you would need to pull something like this off. <laughs> right. Definitely. Like you need that single minded, <laughs> like I'm going to do this my way and my way is the best way. And I'm a genius. Otherwise you get, you know, a, a plan by committee kind of movie. Right. And to, to be in the same room with Mick Jagger and stare him in the eyes and call him, summon, summon him across the room to you. That's, that yeah. takes a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it was his, I think it was a producer, uh, his producer, Michelle, I think who said that you, you, you have, you, you need madness to, to create, mm-hmm. you know, a masterpiece to create something like this. And yeah, he, he definitely had that, that quality. It's also interesting that every single name that he wanted for his movie is like a name that's recognizable. It's not like, oh, these random people you don't know, like every single person he wanted involved is someone who's either well known before the movie or well known after the movie, like Dan O'Bannon or H.R. Giger. Everyone knows them because of Alien. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think really that's that's partially because of the the atmosphere that was created here, right, that they you know, they got to know each other. And I think both of those, especially those names, O'Bannon and, and Giger were, were both um, guys that, that didn't have an interest in movies before this. And then once they got together, you know, it's kind of, this was kind of one of those, uh, those moments where you had the, uh, the artists all get together and they, they end up making their own art in their own right. But it was because they all sat around the table and had this discussion beforehand that, mm-hmm. that made that happen. So that's really cool. I, I just love that, you know, you have, you have Salvador Dali and Orson Welles and Carradine all in the same movie. That would, that would have yeah. been so amazing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I liked that part where he taught, he was describing the Baron and talking about how fat he was. And then, then he says, Orson Welles. <laughs> right. like, I laughed so loud at that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but that's, that is what he was known for later in life. That is kind of like yeah. who he, who he became later in life. So, you know, it's, it, it's fair. <laughs> it yeah. is. You guys know what his uh, last uh, role was, right? No. It was the Transformers movie. Yeah, that's right. Uh, oh, yeah. Orson yeah. Welles. That's huh. <laughs> the one from the eighties, the cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> Science fiction. See, there you go. That's where yeah. that's where he always was. <laughs> it all ties together. Yeah. So, um, I you know I think the I think the bigger implications that we see from this documentary too are like the the concepts that that fall into Jodorowsky's, uh sense of calling or of destiny. Like he he just has the sense that this is going to be uh a, the greatest film ever made and it's going to change the world. And it's you're right with the arrogance, right, Jack? That that it's mm-hmm. like it's such an arrogant thing to say, but it's also hard to ignore how similar um, he is kind of to the, the title character of Paul, right. Or, or the, the character in Dune of Paul, where he is kind of prescient and almost, I mean, the, Paul does create a cult around himself. And it almost sounds like this was a cult that uh had created around himself and yeah. the concept of this movie. So, uh, you know, and, and even I was, I was looking it up because I was wondering, you know, Anybody who's devoted to the story knows that there were things that he changed um, in the story that were very different from the story itself. So there's this whole concept of like a virgin bird for Paul. And then there's, uh, you know, at the the end of the movie, uh, he has Paul die, uh, which is not the book at all. And and then he starts talking about and Dune becomes this green thing, which wasn't in the book. And I'm like, 
yeah, yeah, it was. That was, <laughs> I was like, like, did you finish the book? <laughs> was my big question <laughs> throughout, throughout the whole Probably thing. Probably not. We didn't read it. So. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but apparently, um, Frank Herbert met with him, like, like came to Paris and met with him uh, when the movie was being made. And they were amicable. Like Herbert did hmm. not feel like this was a complete mistreatment of his work and, you know, didn't want it to happen or anything like that. Which I think tells you something about Herbert, who didn't really care that much about what, what happened to the work after he had finished writing it, but also that he wasn't like, you know, th th that he understood that other people were going to have interpretations of this. And so there's a lot of bizarrely spiritual lessons that kind of come out of the the story itself and of his view of it and the, the kind of cultish way that they that they put it together. But then also like what ends up happening to it and how it kind of falls out. Right. One of the things that I was actually most disappointed about in the documentary is that there's no input from either Frank Herbert or Brian Herbert. Like I was hoping that there'd be some sort mm. of interviews or audio commentary with them giving their input on what they thought of it, at least because you don't get any of that at all. Yeah, that would have been nice to hear. I'm sure they tried, but maybe for Probably. whatever reason they couldn't get them. <laughs> I think I think I, Frank Herbert has had in in. Uh, his son to a lesser extent has sort of a love hate relationship with the series <laughs> where they are, yeah. um, you know, it's like they're bread and butter, but it's, it's one of those things like it's the only thing I've known by kind of, you know, <laughs> thing. Right. And I, I think that's bothersome in some ways, uh, to them, but well, you know, we'll, we'll cover, I'm, I'm sure we'll cover Frank Herbert's story a little more as we get into the book itself. Yeah. too. And, um, you know, I, I was just wondering what you guys think about, um, I, I don't know how much you guys know about Horowski's, um, broader uh sense of things because he was a uh he's a mystic you know he's he's uh he was a tarot he was in tarot that was one of his big things he was really mm -hmm. into tarot and to mm -hmm. kind of like reading futures and and uh he was into uh mind-altering drugs but but what he wanted was for this movie to be uh, as it says in the documentary he wanted it to be like someone taking lsd but they didn't have to take lsd they just had the experience on screen which is kind of terrifying. <laughs> That's <sounds> horrible. <laughs> Very much. Yeah. yeah. To talk about his whole like philosophy, you, you know, it's like I go back to like what you said about him. You know, he he has this huge you know ego, and and it on the surface it, it, he he seems humble and and he's and he's happy and he's he's a nice enough guy, but he's so you know focused on his vision. You know, I think if this movie were to come out, it obviously would have been you know, a triumph of technical, you know, technical filmmaking and special effects and production design and all that stuff. But I think the movie itself would have been very mixed with mm -hmm. audiences. Obviously you're going to have like, you know, people who are devoted to Herbert's novel be like, how could you, you know, <laughs> you know, like just desecrate <laughs> on this book by changing the ending yeah. and, and, you know, all, all the sorts of different things that he was going to change. Um, and, um, and then you'd have people that just wouldn't understand it. That might've been, grossed out by like Paul's conception scene, what that would have looked like, you know, um, I think it would have been very mixed, just like all of his like other work that almost no one has seen other than like, <laughs> you know, people that go to like film school or, or right. into like avant-garde sort of <laughs> yeah. stuff. But yeah, I think, I think the movie would have been mixed and it's mainly because, you know, it, to to have, to have like a, a philosophy like that to like want to change the world and want people to to have like whatever this sort of lsd trip that'll enlighten them it's still very singular 
it's not going to be, it's not going to affect the amount of people you think you're going to affect. So Mm. I think it would have failed on that front. And, um, and I I think what obviously would have been a unique and interesting enough movie that, that would be, that would have been appreciated years later. But I think the, the sort of effect that that he wanted to have on, on the world would not come to be. I don't think, I think, Mm -hmm. I think a movie like, I think Star Wars would have still had way more success, you know, and uh, no matter if this came out first. And and I, and I think that, you know, it's a big reason why he he's the type of artist that he is. You know, he's not accessible and not, not a lot of people know about his other work. Um, and and I think um, that's a big reason why I think Lynch is I mean. I mean, Lynch's movie failed for a lot of other reasons, you know, with <laughs> studio interference. But I think if yeah. Lynch made the movie he wanted to make, uh, I, I still think it would have been, you know, really mixed because mm-hmm. Lynch is not that kind of filmmaker. Um, and um, I think it just would have been appreciated by, again, that's a, a niche sort of audience. And then people like us 30, you know, 40 years later, will be talking about it on a podcast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. Terrence Malick would be the only person who could take his script and then make it into a movie. Mm. I could see him doing something like this, but bringing it a little bit more back down to earth. That would be, man, I would totally be in for that. Yes. I, somebody make that happen. Good grief. I would be great. Uh, I would definitely go see that. Wow. Now you got me wanting the movie to have happened in a different way, but really, (laughs) wow. Uh, yeah, I think, I, I think that, um, I, I love the, the point in the, in the documentary where he talks about going to see David Lynch's version of the film. Yeah, that was funny. And I, but it's funny too, because like you're watching him and he's talking about, you know, watching this movie and going, Oh, this is, this is a horrible movie. Like realizing that it's a horrible movie, but not really internalizing that. Right. Not like going, Okay, wait, my movie probably would not have been much better than this, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but t- taking the, the wrong lesson away from it and going, oh, no, the producers had their hands all over this. You can see how it was ruined by the studio. Yeah. And it's like, mm, maybe <laughs> there's a little more there to, to glean. Yeah, like some ideas are better left for your imagination. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. As, as cool as it is, I think, uh, you know, yeah. and and I think uh, he mentions at one point that he would love to have it uh, even after he dies. He would love to have it taken and made into uh, made an, an artistic version made of it and or uh, um, a cartoon version. Yeah. 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 And I think that would be fantastic. I think that would be something that um, that people could stomach and and would be uh, would be really interesting to see it come to life in that way. Uh, and, and I think, you know, ultimately, I, I think Hodorowsky was the death of this movie. <laughs> like he was the he was the yeah, life of this yeah. movie, but he was also the death of it because, uh, you know, besides needing another five million dollars, which, it, you know, I went and did the math. It was um, this is that's about twenty four million dollars in today's money. So the whole film would have cost initially the initial budget would have been one hundred million dollars, uh, which I, I doubt this movie would have even come close to making that back in uh in its day Um, you know he 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 couldn't commit to a 90 minute movie for the 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 studios (laughs) and not only just well no i would rather make a three minute a three hour movie but no i would like to make a 14 or 20 hour (laughs) 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 and it's just like you know and and again i did the math on this i was like i went back and looked at the sci-fi uh miniseries and that was only 288 minutes right so it was only about twice as long as you know a little over twice as long as as a standard movie so um i'm just uh 
Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see that book and see what, what the 20 hours worth of material is. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like someone mentions in the in the documentary. It's like if he just would have had one guy that was working with him that was like that knew the industry well enough to tell him like, okay, the the studios aren't going to buy this. Like we have to like you know compromise on this, compromise on that. You know, I think obviously he would have had a better shot at actually making the film. But but yeah, it's funny that you know he just literally went on this mission and got all these people in into a castle in Paris and <laughs> start working <laughs> yeah. on something that. You know, for I, I mean, they thought because of like his, I guess, you know, like we mentioned, like his his sort of spirit that th- this was going to get made no matter what. Uh, but it just came to a screeching halt, you know, as soon as they got to the studios. And <laughs> but I mean, I, again, at yeah. least everyone had a career after this. I thought it was interesting how at the end when they're showing all the movies that were influenced by this and they have things like Alien, but they also have things like. Flash Gordon mm-hmm. and Masters of the Universe and you you see those <laughs> movies and you see how cheesy they are yes. and you realize this is what this is what it would have been. Oh yeah. If it oh, had, yeah. if it had actually been made. Well and then, but then the the stunning thing to me is like, you know, watching Denis Villeneuve's Blade Runner. Yeah. You, you see and, and then going back and watching the original Blade Runner. And the original Blade Runner was good. It was gritty. It was um but it was still really cheesy. It was still, it was still definitely a product of its time, right? It was a 1980s movie. Like you go yeah. back and watch mm-hmm. that and you definitely see oh, this is the 1980s movie. Obviously there's like this and this and this thing happened and it fits right in with total recall and, and all the other stuff that came, all the other like kind of great, but also very verging on B movie stuff that came out, sci-fi stuff that came out in the eighties. And then you watch this new treatment of it and it, if it, it works, like his mm-hmm. vision for it works, not, not just because, of his vision for it, but because the technology has finally caught up with that, with that ability to, to have the vision. Right. And so, yeah, yeah I, you know, when they say that this was a movie way, way ahead of its time, I think they were dead on. I think it's exactly right in that phrasing of it. I feel like this would have ended up being more like the fifth element where you really, it's, it's good and it's very competent. It's very interesting, but it's definitely, Unless you're kind of already in that world of weird sci-fi and you like that, you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to sit down and watch that movie and be like, oh, I get this. You're just going to be like, what is going on? Hmm. That's that's a good point. I think that's kind of where, where David Lynch's film might have sat if it had been a little more free to do it, what uh, Lynch wanted to do with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it struck me too, like watching this and, and realizing that the Toto, you know, we, we joked about Toto being the, the musical uh, backdrop for uh, David Lynch's film. And then in this one, it's got Pink Floyd and this other, uh, uh, you know, metal group from Magma. France, Magma. Magma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. This, this was just such a, if you have not watched this documentary, it is definitely worth the three ninety nine dollars uh, that you rent it from YouTube for. I yeah. highly recommend it. It's, it is a wild ride. <laughs> Even if you don't like Dune, it's worth watching. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you're into if you're into film at all, for sure, you need to watch this. This movie is almost like if you took all the bizarre like 1960s and early 70s just art music and art film and all that and condensed it into one project. This is pretty much that, right? Yeah, you you still got names like like Salvador Dali, and then and, and they even mentioned that Dali Dali had had a moment where he he was with Picasso. You know, like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like like it's no big deal and he's still in the in the production line of this movie it's an amazing weirdness going on There's a, this reminds me of another good documentary that, that i'll recommend um it's it's it's, it's called uh, gosh what was it it's called superman lives what 
what happened, something like that. If you just Google like Superman, Superman Lives was a uh, a movie that never got made that it was going to be a Tim Burton directed Superman movie where Nicolas Cage was going to play. Oh, Superman. oh, man. oh man. <laughs> I'd be um, there for that. <laughs> yeah. And and believe me, the it's again, like, I mean, obviously not as this is more like real Hollywood. We're talking big Hollywood, you know, celebrities and stuff, not, you know, avant garde, surrealistic, you know, people trying to make a hundred million dollar, hundred million dollar movie. These are established filmmakers. Um, and the story behind that is fascinating as well. So I, I recommend, you know, going to watch that documentary. If you want to see another movie that gosh, like there's, there's a, if you Google the Nicholas Cage Superman, you'll see like what they have like screen tests of him in the, in the costume. And it's just, it's all kinds of bad, but um, <laughs> I totally recommend it. It's, it's, it's a hoot. All right. So I, I think, um, you know, I think, there are so many things to say about this that it's kind of hard to to gather up uh, a set of thoughts for the rest of it. But did you guys have anything else that you really wanted to cover for it? Um, just that I think uh, people should check it out. And it had a really, really good soundtrack. I liked mm-hmm. that like weird 80s electronic music. Yeah, I totally dug the soundtrack. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I would say I really do hope that we get some sort of version of this like animated mm-hmm. um, or, you know, comic book version. I'm surprised there isn't. You know, at least like, like you said, like we would love to get the book. Like right? <laughs> this guy would kill it if you just put the book for sale. Yeah. I think any sort of version we get out of it um, would be nice to see. And um, yeah, I, I think, and I'm, I'm, I'm be interesting to see if uh, Villeneuve takes any inspiration from, right. From this, yeah, yeah so from the storyboards or anything. Well, I'm sure he's he's done so many nods to it already, like with the the Pink Floyd, uh, you know, music over for right. the trailer and stuff. I That's know right. it's yeah. got to be in his in his wheelhouse somewhere to make a reference back to this. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that one goes. I think uh, my favorite my favorite quote from this documentary was not part of the documentary itself. It was my um, my 13 <laughs> year old who's sitting watching all of these with me. He, so he read the book and he watched the the uh, both of the other dune uh things that we've done and as we're watching this uh you know they mentioned very early on that he wanted to make this lsd experience for people who'd never had lsd and uh, my son goes so i think this movie might have just sold me on never doing drugs in my whole life (laughs) (laughs) so uh good job there (laughs) yeah uh, i think that's a fun kind of takeaway from it (laughs) uh boy so you know next time i think uh, we're gonna cover the book itself finally uh and so andrew this is uh, have you started reading or are you uh I have. Yeah, I start, I started reading it and um, I'm reading it slowly. I took a little break. Um, yeah. It is, as we know, it's 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 a little dense, hard to get into. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I am reading it. So we'll 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 get there on the next episode. Very good. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm, this will be my probably 23rd, 24th read through of the book. So Oof. I yeah, <laughs> I, I love, 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 love this book. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, that's it from us. Uh, what did you think about the documentary about the epic, unfinished Hodorowski version of Dune? Uh, be sure to email us or comment on our Facebook or Twitter page uh, and let us know. Uh, you can email us any feedback by finding StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media and on Twitter at SQPN. 
We'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and TV. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movie and TV and all the shows here at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, be sure to subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secrets of Movie and TV shows, please visit sqpn.com slash secrets of movies and TV shows. Dash is separating all those words after the slash. Uh, next time, we will be talking about the book itself, a source of inspiration for all these films, and some of the similarities of that life and of Frank Herbert and his source material uh, that cue into the films that have been made about it. Until then, Andrew Hermes, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Dune. It was a pleasure. And Jack Berazzini, thank you as well. Thanks, Thomas. Once again, I'm Thomas Sanherho. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV on StarQuest. Quest.